<laughs> Welcome, John. We are glad that this is um, actually a distance, uh, distance and remote thing because you started coughing already. Yeah, we're we're pre pre de- pre uh, pre configured for remote work as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been quite lucky. I haven't really been affected too much about the uh, the virus because uh, I mean I've been working remote for forever um, <laughs> uh, since around about I guess uh, twenty what twenty twenty ten. Uh, mostly, I think I had a year and a bit where I was, yeah, just over a year when I was working in a bank where I was, I couldn't do remote, but yeah, like one year out of the last nine, no, one year out of the last 10, I've been remote. Okay. Um, although that did include a lot of traveling. So, uh, uh, which <laughs> you uh, were literally remote at that point. Literally very, very remote. Yeah. yeah. Like traveling all <laughs> so over the every, world. Every- Every time somebody wants you somewhere, you just escape from there and go to some other place to be remote. Uh, yes, hopefully, ideally, <laughs> yes. Although uh, the closure pimpanel. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're not careful, you end up being uh, on call twenty four hours a day because like you just move. if you go the wrong way around the world, then you're always mm-hmm. like available. Yeah, yeah. If you go the other way, then it's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how's uh, how's the situation in you're in UK now, right? In which 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 place? Um, yeah, I'm I'm still in the UK. I'm still in London, uh, which is a hotbed for uh, the uh, cases in uh, coronavirus coronavirus cases that have been reported. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's where we're doing we're doing quite well. We're keeping up with America, so we're doing uh, an impressive amount of uh, keeping up with uh, cases and, <laughs> and going out and ignoring social distancing. Although in the last few weeks, people are finally actually realized it's a worldwide pandemic and actually starting to uh uh like take it a bit more seriously now i thought it was the other way around because i'm thinking when when it started people were a bit serious but later i think this slowly getting complacent or annoyed and then things became much much worse or- well when the sun came out <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's the problem for, for most of you people you know <laughs> um and as you can see on the uh webcam i've 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 been out in the garden i i certainly haven't been on for very long distance rides or anything but i've been out in the garden but yeah as soon as the sun comes out then people uh, start talking about wanting to uh to go and yeah. lift the curfew lift the lockdown yeah, um, yeah, as if it's some kind of punishment um, rather than actually protecting your life. Um, yeah, but I've been doing quite a bit of like help for like neighbors and going around to neighbors, helping them, like mm. donating my excess supply of cat food to, to neighbors that couldn't find them as well. Uh, I still think we have the the massive toilet paper short uh, shortage. Um, wow, there's um, yeah. I guess like, you've got cats though, so you can always use them. <laughs> I use the I use the cat litter. You use the litter box. The actual cats. Oh, they do lick themselves clean, but exactly, they will all work it. out. You know, <laughs> so they will cut down the cat food as well. You know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I'd have to catch them first, and I think once I did it, then I'd never see them again. <laughs> but uh, but I was. I, I mean, I guess I was already quite prepared because I'd already stocked up for Brexit anyway. So. Uh, Oh, yeah, um, so yeah. it's uh, that did kind of help me. Yeah, I've been prepping for the end of the world already. So before the yeah. end of the world actually happened, uh, so there's two I, end of I, the I worlds find... for you, isn't it? Really, uh, I mean, one end yeah. of the world is being slightly put off now by this coronavirus, but you know, the uh, it's still apparently it's still coming. You know, they've got to make well, the decision in June, I think. Well, they'll both come back by the end of the year. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's just which comes back first uh, to uh, to kill off more people. 
Um, mm. So it is. I think yeah, people are being more sensible now. And uh, haven't they started to Brexit but, already though? With this, uh, they didn't join the uh, ordering for the e- with the EU. Oh yeah, yeah. The PPE it's, stuff. It's been completely incompetent. I mean, we've uh, we've kind of unnecessarily put people in danger by by not th- uh, by not getting resources that we could have got just because they're from the EU, and we'd rather import things from Turkey, um, <laughs> which is ironic because that's exactly the last thing they wanted to do when they wanted to do Brexit. So, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> What's going on there? <laughs> well, no, it wasn't meant to make sense, John. I mean, you know. No. I mean, they made a huge big thing about a plane, and then people started out, and they claimed there was, like, this amount of stuff in the plane. Um, but then, like, people looked at the pictures of the plane, and actually that plane only carries half, the, can only carry half the amount that they were claiming that actually came into the country. Uh, mm. And it's only enough for, like, a day. It's like a day's worth of supplies. It wow. was like, what is the point of that? Um, but uh, there we go. Yeah, so um, I guess yeah, ten years. Still of, love, yeah. yeah, people still love the idiots in charge. So uh, there you yeah, go. It's, that's you weird, do? though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yes. ten years of consistent cutting of the uh, health services. Mm. And the but you're uh, John. You're you're like a super cyclist, right? So how are you keeping up with the with the cycling and your health? Um, well, I wasn't. If you because you only see the the top part of me. <laughs> <laughs> I tilt the camera down, then uh, you can see I'm a bit rounder than I used to be last year. Yeah, I mean, last year it was great because I did um, I did a ride across Britain. So mm. I did uh, I literally rode from uh, Lands End to John O'Groats in nine days, which what? is how long is that? How many kilometers? Uh, it's like a hundred miles every day, which is about 170, no, we, we 175 sp- kilometers. Like- Every, in, in 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 proper terms, yeah. like kilometers. Yeah. What the fuck is miles? There's like 175 <laughs> uh, kilometers we were doing on average a day because it's just it was just wow. over 100 miles every day. It's like 109 miles every day, mm-hmm. and 175 kilometers. Okay, but UK is not like Netherlands, right? We have like a, <laughs> plenty of gradient and, and everything. Uh, we in have, Netherlands, we you have just hills. sit in one end and then just pedal for a couple of times when you're in Belgium, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did live in Amsterdam for three years and uh, oh. I, I enjoyed the uh, the flatness of the country. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you have to go to, I think you have to go to Maastricht and then you find a hill. Uh, yes, there is one hill, <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, yes, it was quite a revelation when you go from, uh, you go on the train from Amsterdam into Germany. I see, whoa, look yeah. at all these castles on these big hills. It was like, it was really nice. <laughs> I just stuck my head out of the train for like three hours and enjoyed, whoa, hills. I used to have these. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. But do you, aren't you using something like, I saw a couple of people who are into cycling. They have like this digital thingy that you can just bike with other people virtually remotely or something yeah it's like uh i guess it's like these massive online video games but for cycling and uh, yeah 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 there's a lot of hype around those as well they've been around for a while um but obviously yeah, now yeah. there's a big thing um i just yeah. uh i just i have a little what you call a trainer for, for the bike and it's just like a little stand you put your bike in so it just lifts the back wheel mm-hmm. off the ground and yeah. you just sit there and just pedal and i i don't really do the games but i'll watch uh I got Disney, so I'll just watch the Star Wars movies. <laughs> I do exactly so, the same thing, John. Actually, I've got it in fun. the garage for the laptops. I tend to one tend to watch Rich Hickey talks because I'm a suckass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an idea, actually. Yeah, I've kind of watched. I think I've nearly all. I've watched all the Mandalorian or the the first yeah. seven episodes of that already, uh, which I really enjoy. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I've still got the. I've still got a couple of movies I haven't watched, and they've still got the the very latest movie to come out. Um, 
the, yeah, the yeah. like the the ninth Star Wars movie. Yeah, the last. Uh, yeah. I know the Rise of Skywalker or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's uh, that's not. Have we started yet? yet by the way, it's recorded. Uh, yeah, I know, but yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. We haven't said uh, welcome to Defen, and this is John, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hello. Uh, welcome to Defen. Uh, this is episode number 59, and we are talking with John Stevenson. Uh, so I think we should get started with, uh, well, we already got started, so fuck it. So um, I think we should just say the most important question to close the podcast. Um, Emacs or some other shit, John, so we can shit on Ray now. Uh, Emacs <laughs> is my life. It's, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I am afraid. That's, that why you, that's why you were invited onto the show. Now I understand. Well, it's, I, sh- I should clarify that. I mean, I I wasn't entirely convinced with Emacs at first, um, and it did take me a while. I think I, I picked it up uh, at university, but then I think it was when I started learning Clojure, I decided to learn Emacs at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really get too far away. I mean, it was really useful. I liked it. It was nice, lightweight, yeah. uh, did a lot of useful things, but I didn't really fall in love with it until, uh, to be honest, until I started using Space Max. Yeah. Uh, and that converted me over to the other dark side of Vim. And uh, <laughs> so now I'm happily using Vim and Emacs together in the, the happy land of Space Max. Yeah, and I think I, I really like the distribution Space Max. I mean, I'm trying with different things like Doom and a couple of other things, but <laughs> I've been using Space Max forever since the beginning. And I don't know, I think I, the, the shortcuts and everything, muscle memory, and then, fuck it, I'm going to switch to this one. So it's a, it's a bit wonky with all the develop branch constantly, and then, uh, but otherwise, it's a, it's a, it's super awesome though. Do you do you spend two or three hours a day configuring Emacs, John? Well, this is it. Um, <laughs> because I use SpaceMax, I do not have to at all. Exactly. Okay. Um, you basically, uh, I, in fact, I've actually set it up so that I, I basically, I, if I'm going to start install it from scratch, I'll. Um, I install the, the the like the usual Java and Clojure uh, stuff for Clojure development. Uh, install uh, Emacs, and then the I've just got Trinity. two. The whole, yeah, and then I've just got two uh, two Git commits, and then I've got everything set up exactly how, how I want it to. Uh, one commit, one one uh, one Git clone is the um, uh, the SpaceMax repository, and then I've just got my own configuration, which is based on the SpaceMax com- uh, configuration, with a few extra things. Um, uh, and it just works, and it's uh, got it all set up for broadcasts, so it's all nicely. Uh, it's a nice white background, so it's not. It's easy to read. It's got a nice big font, so it's it's easy to read on small devices uh, when you're broadcasting as well. And it's got all the uh, extra bits I put into SpaceMax. Uh, hmm. Although most of those are actually, I've just done those as pull requests into the project. So uh, yeah. it's it's nice to be able to be a contrib- contributor to uh, that project that I'm using every day as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also, uh, I keep getting more and more into org mode as well. So uh, I just uh, yeah. finally... I mean, org mode is fucking amazing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just mental. I see you've got a whiteboard with all kinds of things on the background there. Is that usually, is that a kind of like 2D version of org mode, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got a whiteboard and then... The walls have got paint on as well, um, right, so I've just okay. cleaned the wall. Well, I cleaned those walls, but I've got uh, I've got these walls as well, which has got uh, all, Ooh, all right. Oh, so right. you can write okay. there. Yeah, yeah. nice. Oh, you've got fancy um, paint. Okay. Yeah, I paint I paint it all on. Uh, I got that ages ago. And uh, what kind of paint is that, by the way? The one that you can write on is it just a standard gloss? 
No, I think I just Googled it, Googled for it, and you can get special paint that's uh, just basically you paint it on the wall, yeah. and it turns the wall into a whiteboard. Right, nice. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think you can also get uh, plastic covering as well. Yeah, yeah, just, I got that you one. Just stick it on, yeah. which probably probably better. It's easier, I think. The I mean, we had this uh, standard, typical, you know, IKEA, what do you call like a poster thingy in every home. So, uh, so we had that one. I just covered it with this uh, whiteboard making foil whatever that is called okay so uh, so i turned the one of the quote-unquote paintings with the photos with the with the thing that's that's that works pretty well actually so maybe slightly less effort than painting the whole thing yeah it did take me so, a while and uh, i guess with painting also you if you do it after you've set your desk up then you have to move all your desk out of the way so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't move the yeah. desk around into a different room and then you, you lose your whiteboard well that's true i was thinking of moving my uh, desk into another room but um uh but uh, i just haven't got around to it so that's why my whiteboard is here so like everything is set up to this little tiny room which is fine during the winter because it's nice and cool but it, it does get a little bit hot, warmer in the summer so uh, yeah um but it, I, I guess it encouraged me to actually get some work done before like four o'clock in the afternoon when it gets, starts getting warm, and then uh, and then I could just uh, watch um, Star Wars for the rest of the day. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, uh, coming back to Space Max things, I think it's it's a, it became really like a nice uh, distribution. I think I the first thing I, I only have one contribution, which is basically starting the closure layer, and then I just disappeared, and then I keep using it. So that's my one contribution there. Well, two actually, because I also fixed some Latin words somewhere in the thing. Right. <laughs> so I have like two contributions in Space Max, and that means yeah, I, I'm done. I peaked my. Uh, you my corrected the spelling there. of this ex machina. <laughs> yeah, something like that. No, it's it's about um, something like uh, the Lord, something something like a Trinity, whatever. Okay. And then I, I fixed that one, and then I, I love the way that I got a special. Uh, uh, mention in the in the contributor thing saying i don't know latin language whatever ah nice Think guy or something yeah yeah i think i've done about uh 30 yeah i've got about 30 pull requests that have been accepted yeah, in yeah. there as well so and uh yeah. they're all kind of in the change log as well yeah, and yeah. Uh, a lot of them are kind of fairly simple key binding sort of user user experience stuff um mm. there's a few things and i still got to um i, I guess the uh the benefit and the limitation of Space Max is you don't really end up writing that much ELISP, so I haven't really yeah. learned that much. And um, but uh, but it does allow me to do it. It's like it's it's a classic definition of standing on the shoulder of giants. You get to do yeah exactly so much more yeah. than you would yeah. do otherwise. Well, I noticed and, that this uh, is becoming like a, a bit of a sort of PR waving contest now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I haven't really started. <laughs> no, I, haven't started I haven't started talking about my book yet. So, uh, oh. which uh, is is we, I'll, we shall send you a free copy. Of, oh yeah. uh, Obviously. So it's uh, along with everybody else because it's on the web. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, we'll put a link in the show notes then. Excellent stuff. But most most of the people they they do say that you know learning Emacs for beginners is is pretty difficult. But you you've been doing all these beginner podcasts with big, sorry beginner screencasts and 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 book with Space Max. So how does how how is it working when you're teaching other people all this stuff? I think it's it's really interesting because uh, I I guess I used to do consultancy many many years ago, like when it, when I first came out of university back in '97, uh, giving my mm. age away there. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was doing consultancy then. I, I really liked kind of helping people understand things, and because I learned so, I, I kind of learned so much from doing that. Um, 
I don't always feel like I'm learning a huge amount of stuff or I feel like I've got a lot of gaps when I'm just sitting down coding. But when I'm actually encouraged or even forced to go and explain things to people, then I tend to pick up a lot more things, or at least I know where the gaps are. Um, and it really does help. I think it's really helped grow my own understanding, uh, certainly over the last few years. Mm. And so I, I do a lot of yeah, writing down, trying to explain how to use things simply because I, I forget things. I think, well, how do I? I know I did that, and I get really annoyed when I've done something and I just can't remember how to do it. I can't be bothered to think about how I did it again. I just want to know how I did it last time. So mm. that's why I started doing blogging, just to write down yeah, all the things I've kind of done. And mm. uh, and then that turned into books. And then I started doing uh, presentations and conference talks. So you end up writing stuff down there as well. Uh, and that all merged into doing I – I kind of got a bit bored of doing talks. So I, I, d- I ended up doing workshops. And I think I found that people – uh, fewer people submitted workshops, so they're actually easier to get into uh, conferences if you actually <laughs> submit a workshop around the talk. Uh, and I found them more fun as well because you can kind of do you can do all the work up front uh, in a workshop, and then when you actually give the workshop, you kind of point them at a web page and kind of walk through a few things, and it's a lot easier actually on the day. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, when I was doing, I used to do something called Hack the Tower which mm-hmm. is a Saturday day. Uh, and it was kind of like an all-day, it's all-day hack day, uh, like a really long dojo kind of thing. And we just um, just spend the day like, learning how to do closure. Um, and uh, it was great fun. There was, uh, I used to get people from like the London Java community and the Scala community and uh, the closure community to come along. And, uh, and we'd all break up into groups and go off and do our little projects. And I was doing um, a little kind of closure workshop uh Mm -hmm. during the day and making most of it up as we were going along um (laughs) unless i could find a really usually i found a really good tutorial on the uh on the way in uh to to actually run the event uh or the night before and then we'd kind of walk through the tutorial and try and figure out how how it works and i'd try and explain how it all worked to everybody else uh and it was Mm -hmm. a great learning experience I, i learned so much more about closure by doing those things than uh than anything else I was mm. trying. So how, how did you see the people receiving it? Because you've been teaching for, I don't know, how long? Oh, now? God. Um, well, I, I started um, I started running the Scala Dojo back in 2009. Uh, that we shall not speak about. Well, Scala <laughs> was my gateway drug into uh, closure. Uh, yeah. Because, well, I suppose that's not entirely true. Uh, just a brief step back. Um, my gateway drug into functional programming was, uh, was Haskell. Uh, maybe you should you should start from the beginning like you know how, yeah, how did you come end up on, yeah, maybe that, uh, that would be a nice uh, yeah uh, yeah i could do that take us to the take a we've got time we've got time everyone's all, at home it's okay <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the longest podcast ever isn't it <laughs> of course <laughs> just going to text my we, wife we'll to get finish. me another beer we'll just, hang on <laughs> we'll just start streaming it will, it will never oh, yeah, end yeah. it's like a public public address system it just keeps on going i could i could close your propaganda <laughs> I could uh, once I get going, I could uh, talk forever. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess the 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 peak of interest into uh, functional programming, I guess, was the the catalyst for getting me into closure, and and that all started with um, I think mostly with Haskell at university, and I think it was because it took me three months to tr- actually figure out like ten lines of code in Haskell and actually understand what they meant, uh, and actually be able to write my own bit of Haskell. Uh, mm-hmm. 
but then because it was a university course, like you do three months and then you move on to the next subject. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so I didn't really, I kind of felt like uh, that kind of got buried in the back of my brain somewhere. Uh, and I think we did actually do a little bit of Lisp, but it was taught so badly um, that I didn't really, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten it. I think I'd blocked it out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up doing Java uh, for uh, for a living because it was, at, at that time, because you're a normal the, human being, basically. It was <laughs> so everyone cool, was doing. It was, <laughs> it, well, it was the coolest thing to do. Everybody wanted yeah. to do Java, and this was yeah. in yeah, this would have been in '97, um, and I was excited to do it because it was so much easier than using C++ yeah. and C, because yeah. uh, you had this huge, Absolutely. great big uh, API to use, and it just did mm. stuff for you. Uh, it uh, had the internet then, built in, which was amazing. Yes, yeah. it did, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then we put XML on top of it and uh, kind of like, <laughs> scared everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we put XML everywhere. Yes, but we, uh, yeah, but you talked about that last last uh, last time as well, so I'm not, I don't I'm think not there's go actually there. any. I don't think there's any XML in Java, though, is there? I mean, apart from like the API. I don't think you have to do any XML in Java. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I was just around uh, like the early, early 2000s where... It was just everywhere, and it, people no, were getting know. obsessed with it. Um, yeah. I remember, was it EB XML, uh, which is like yeah, Enterprise yeah. XML, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was from Sun. Um, so it was uh, the same team. Well, there, was, there was a there was a Fix ML, wasn't there? Because I think you were in banking at that time, maybe or so around at that time. Because Fix ML was the big um, like uh, language for financial services. Okay. I seem to vaguely remember. I, d- I didn't really do much financial stuff until recently, actually. But uh, oh, okay. but yeah, it was like I, I was well aware of all the stuff, like the big enterprise stuff that they were doing. And um, yeah. I actually did like uh, EJBs at one point <laughs> for my <laughs> sins. Yeah, guilty also. Yeah. But, uh, but then I, I, I kind of, uh, I matured. The session beans, John, they weren't too bad. Yeah, I think session beans were okay. They were, they were the often the... They were often the least used ones there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the stateful session beans with container-managed persistence. Oh, yes. 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 Take you back there. CMP you know. beans. They were, uh, they were guaranteed job for life doing that because yeah. nobody <laughs> could figure out this. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you only getting three transactions a second? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> you got three transactions a second. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think I I lived in the world of Java for until about 20, 2010, so it was quite a while, and I think I just got completely bored of Java, or I, I felt there was something missing because you're just doing the same things over and over again, mm-hmm. and I guess everybody everybody kind of gets this who's got a long career in this. If you're doing the same things, uh, even if you're doing the even if you do different things in the same language, it's it's more interesting. But you tend to end up doing the same things in the same language, and it's it just gets you want something to refresh your own motivation. Do you remember? Mm. I don't know if you were. It was probably around that time where there was a bunch of Lambda proposals for Java, and there was um, there was there was one big kerfuffle where Lambdas were proposed by some three or four like luminaries of the Java world, but it was killed, um, and then eventually it came back. But some you know some a different proposition came back. But that that's for me, that was the first time I'd kind of thought, oh, you know, this this programming language is lacking something, you know? Oh yeah, that's what it is. It's lacking these lambdas. 
Yeah, I think around around I can't remember when Java Seven came out, but I remember a lot of discussion around then about all the things that people would like to put into Java, uh, and I think that's when I think that's around about when people started thinking about other languages on the JVM and not just seeing the JVM, the Java mm-hmm. Virtual Machine, as a as a vehicle for just the Java language, mm-hmm. and uh, people experimenting with things like JRuby and other languages, and. Uh, yeah, it was interesting because I think it was just happened sometime after that, and then Microsoft was, came out with their .NET platform, which supported all their different languages. And mm. I think it opened people's eyes out to, um, <clears throat> and I think it made the industry a huge, a huge boost for the industry actually. Because I used to live in a world where it was, oh, you either did Microsoft or you did Java, mm. yeah. uh, and and that was the end of this discussion, and it, yeah. it was kind of boring and. Now you you you've got every every few months. Oh, we should use this language. Oh, we should use this language. We should use this language. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I appreciate it. it's very confusing for people who are starting developing now. But uh, it's actually it gets developers to think and engineers to think about well, what's the right kind of thing to use uh, for mm. the thing that we we're actually building and. Uh, uh, it, you don't always get that decision right because you don't always know everything, but it's you've got the opportunity uh, to actually build the right thing in the right language. Don't you think the fact that you've got choices is also a kind of, in itself, a kind of educational process in the sense that in the past with, with Java and Microsoft or whatever, or Java, you know, Java and C Sharp, there were the only games in town for like serious programmers um, that you, you didn't know what the trade-offs were. It was just basically, it was kind of a religious war almost. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a kind of, there was no there was no rationale around it. There was no, oh, no. It, because of this feature and that function and that. So so that, that I think actually, that's that to me is why it's been such a good thing, this sort of blossoming of the language scape, because if yeah. you want to call it that, because you suddenly got choices and you can, you've kind of got to think about, well, what, what are the trade-offs exactly, in fact? Yeah, and to me, that is what the job of a of software engineer is all about. I mean, it's not yeah, yeah. it's not being able to program, not being the world's expert on a particular programming language. It's being able to understand the constraints you're actually working in, both technical and business and financial, uh, and actually producing a solution that doesn't make your company go bust, <laughs> um, and, and and hopefully actually makes uh, keeps your business at least sustainable. Uh, um, and helps it, like either the yeah either the company do more or the people using the software do more, uh, and and therefore generate more revenue. Do you think there's such a direct correlation there? Though I always feel like the the choice of programming language is often, especially in a corporate world, completely disconnected from those business discussions. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, just, I mean, I know you're laughing, but I think, it, but no, it but that's almost like. You know the, the the day one conversation with uh, the business people. Is, I don't give a fuck what it's written in. Just make it do this. Um, it, it's but isn't isn't the major reason of businesses failing is not just the technology, oh, yeah. right? So it's not like uh, just because oh he they picked C, so we're going to die. And I mean, that's not the <laughs> usually that's not the problem. Yeah, they, uh, maybe yeah. maybe maybe 
five percent. I don't know. Yeah, the the choice of language is usually the kind of the least uh, effect uh, of, uh, yeah. of a maybe it takes a lot of maybe it maybe it takes a lot of stick though. It's a kind of victim, you know. It's a kind of <laughs> scapegoat. It's easy to point oh, yeah. at. Oh yeah. Oh totally. Oh, they're yeah. Because Ruby, they wrote everything in twice, closure, so yeah. we're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I've, I've seen that so many times. That it, like uh, we have to use this language, uh, and it's usually down to like the choice of language for a lot of companies is down to hiring. Yeah, or the perception, or should I should say, the perception of hiring, because it's um, if if they feel that they can't hire somebody for a language, they'll they'll not accept it to go into production. Because mm. how are we going to get somebody to do this? Oh my god! Oh, it's not as if somebody could actually learn how to use a language. <laughs> and, and most of the time, even if you know uh, a language, it doesn't guarantee you actually understand what somebody else has written. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, especially if they made a right hash of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> But isn't that the other part of it, though, that, you know, a lot, I mean, I, I think you're right about, like, there's a HR aspect to it, but there's also a kind of, like, who in the technical community is in a position of authority? If those people actually know about languages, then they will tend to be more open to different languages. And if those people in authority are, you know, they're they're just Java people or, you know, they're just C-sharp people or whatever, they're just, like, in a, in a kind of like uh, zombie state in terms of languages. Maybe it's not as in their own intellect, but in terms of their perception of how, where, where languages are in terms of like their the impact of a language, good or minus, they, they will tend to just think about the hiring aspects of things and not actually about anything to do with the intrinsic nature of that decision. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's... It's such a diverse amount of people inside uh, the industry. It's like everybody's got lots of different concerns and constraints that they're worried about. Um, I think the nice thing is that the general, in general, the developer community is more aware of the fact that there are, there are different languages out there and more keen uh, to experiment with them, uh, and also more able to experiment with them as well. I mean, I think you yeah. could even claim that uh, that Git and GitHub has actually made languages more accessible because mm. people are sharing example code. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes. And you can download that code and try it out, which I think is also like a huge enabler. Without that, I think the, it would have limited the amount of uh, limited the amount of uh, languages that people are prepared to go and try and go and try out. Mm-hmm. I still think, think some people are always going to go and try the latest thing. I mean, I know there's plenty of consultancies that have gone out and they've gone to uh, a, a company and then whoever's lead on that has decided, oh, we'll use this language because I want to understand mm-hmm. how to use this language uh, yeah. uh, in a project. Uh, and that's a little bit risky. I mean, it's interesting for all the people on that project, but um as long as the company, the consultancy backs them up and actually will help them implement it mm. if it all goes wrong mm. in some other language, then that's that's okay. But uh, yeah, it's about managing risk. Uh, and uh, some people do that better than others. And some people understand what the risks are more than others. And some people just say, well, let's do it. Um, yeah. And I think with startups, uh, there's a lot more startups these days as well. So they're much more open to trying different languages as well. I worked with quite a few startups uh, using Clojure, and uh, hmm. yeah, it, it's it's really served them well. I mean, they there's usually somebody who's kind of realised the benefit of using that particular language for the startup, and hmm. uh, and where it where it fits and where it doesn't fit in. Um, so if you look at pe- like companies like Uswitch, which are um, uh, a big Clojure shop in London, 
But they also yep. use other technologies for certain other parts of it. So there's like a lot of the back end is all in Clojure, but some of the front end is still in JavaScript because they're not quite as confident uh, as using Clojure script in there because they haven't got the experience. Mm. And they'd, mm. they'd rather kind of put something that they're more confident in on the front end uh, than kind of risk like something that's a yeah. bit more unknown to them. Although if they had, if they had like a bunch of... Uh, Develop if I had a JavaScript developer team that was very comfortable with ClojureScript, then that would be a lot easier choice for them. Yeah. It's a funny one, though, isn't it, with with the front end? Because I often think that, you know, you think about the, and it's about context to some extent as well, in the sense that if you're just thinking about everything as a programming problem, then you will tend to choose the language that suits that thing. But often there are like their designers or there are other people involved in that process that maybe is more familiar with JavaScript or more familiar with certain like UI frameworks or whatever that are conducive to an environment where JavaScript sort of wins. And in that case, it's not just those developers per se, but it's like everything, everything around them is like a JavaScript friendly or JavaScript ecosystem. So you, you, you changing that language is a, is a much more complicated thing than just like it's picking out a Jenga brick, you know. It's like it's yeah. very difficult if you just pick out change the language, unless you've got everything kind of that can play nicely in the ecosystem, then you've got a problem. Well, it does seem to be that uh, I mean, at the moment, you could view the world as like, give me a JavaScript, uh, give me a JSON API, and I can change the world. Um, it's uh, I think that is the case because it's love it or hate it. I, I mean, JSON has become like an ubiquitous uh, way to throw information around that's fairly lightweight. Um, it's mm. not it's not perfect in uh, in any sense of the word, but it, it is uh, common. It, it's like it's people. It's known to people. It's fairly easy to pick up. Um, although if you start looking at like really big. Uh, GeoJSON files that I've been looking at, then it's, uh, <laughs> that's one way to uh, slow down your REPL. But isn't that another <laughs> another world, you know, the data formats world? And I, I mean, not to get too far off topic, but anyway, everything's on topic. There's a topic? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Remind like, me of the topic. Yeah. I mean, we obviously we started talking about XML before, then, then everyone's <laughs> gone to JSON. But of course, Google said no. Uh, we don't want to do that. We want to use proto buffs. And then there's oh. all this like Avro stuff. And then, actually, I'll, t- I'll tell you something. And you've probably never heard. I don't know if you've even heard of this, but it's been going for a while. We're using a data format at work now called Seaball, which is, is actually quite nice. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like a combination of. Um, <laughs> is it your proprietary thing? Or no, no, is it no it's a proper standard. It's no. just, it's a okay. ITF standard. And it's be, it was a, okay. it was a shock to me, but it, but it's something that cryptocurrency people use quite a lot, um, and it's mm. it's basically a sort of binary format of JSON. So you you okay. and it, you, oh, okay. you 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 write like essentially you can write uh, and and David Nolan has written a sort of parser for closure script for this as well now. So, but why not transit or something then? Um, well, because uh, you want to address things like C. Um, where there mm-hmm. isn't a there isn't a good transit library for C. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but you know, that's like every, everything's got a around, sweet like, spot, dude. You know, it's like, I think it's I the mean, same with when, uh, when your entire entire stack is closure, closure, and closure script, but it's and not all this though, stuff, then it's it not makes sense the, to the use ecosystem. And, the ecosystem yeah. is often okay. like IoT IoT environments, which are yeah, which yeah. are you know very small, and they only yeah. only have C. 
getting a transit yeah. co- a composer on a on a you, know, you would have to write it from scratch. Yeah, yeah. So, but Min, but you, you did write uh, some from scratch, or David wrote something from scratch for for that format in Closure Script. Then, well, but not really. He just he just made small adaptions to a to a JavaScript library. So it's it's ah, actually okay, okay, okay. it's quite a small thing, you know. It was, a, it was just a very hmm. small shim on top of the thing that was existing there. But I'd look into it anyway because okay. Cbor is very very interesting. The standard it's a standard protocol, but it's very lightweight and it integrates very well with Eden and other stuff like that. So okay. just a little. little That's interesting, there. yeah. Because um, I, I worked at uh, a bank. I'm not going to say which one. Um, <laughs> We'll figure it out. It was uh, it was the world's biggest bank apparently. to protect the guilty. I mean innocent. Uh, and it was fairly recently, so I did have the pleasure of actually using Clojure. I mean, that is that's the reason I took the job is it's because it was a it's a Clojure team, and uh, some of the Clojure uh, there was we we're also using we we're also working with Juxt as well, so it was an opportunity to learn from them as well. Nice, and nice. Uh, it was it was really good. Uh, it was, but there was a lot of legacy architecture and design. Uh, so we basically we re-implemented an application that had been written in uh, C plus plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, which um, I, had, I heard some very interesting stories about how successful or unsuccessful that actually was, and uh, it was it wasn't quite doing the throughput uh, that they were expecting. And uh, I think mm-hmm. one of the stories was that uh, the team that was managing the previous application would ring up uh, the the other developers that were using it to store because it's basically an application that stored data from a whole range of different systems written in a whole different uh, bunch of languages, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this team that was managing the previous application would ring all the other developer teams up to say, well, could they stop sending them data? Yeah. <laughs> and this, this, this is in production, <laughs> which is not good. Uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, so it was like, uh, it was a re-implementation of that in, in Clojure. And uh, mm. it's pretty good. And we were getting, um, I think we were doing something like 30 million transactions a day. Uh, and... I think we were using about zero point zero three percent of the CPU. Oh, nice. um, so definitely, closure can perform quite nicely. Mm, uh, yeah. Certainly better than the implementation of the previous one. Just, just to go back to your your journey topic again. So you started doing some Haskell, or not not commercially? No, that was at university. Java? Yeah, so uh, yeah, Haskell yeah. at university, then Java commercially, uh, and then I wanted to get back into uh, functional programming. Uh, yeah. So at the time, I think it was around like 2000, 2008, 2009. Yeah. Ooh, um, okay. Then everything was about like Scala because they got some. Yeah. yeah. They got some funding from the EU, um, and uh, maybe I should get some funding for the EU while well, I've still got a chance. I've got six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I think I even actually went on to a uh, a two day training course by Martin Odersky himself. Oh, well. oh okay. cool! And the the most important lesson he ta- taught me was um, complexity is bad. Um, <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, I don't think that was the lesson he was supposed to ta- teach me. So, uh, well, he didn't learn that lesson himself, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, we're going to spend the- talking for the next ten minutes while your sample program compiles. So, <laughs> complexity, bad thing. Yeah, so that was the that was kind of the experience we would get at the dojo. So I started running a, a dojo uh, and uh, so sort of coding dojo once a month. Uh, yeah, that was around two thousand nine, and uh, yeah, because we'd because uh, there was like lots of talks that I didn't really I, I kind of 
understood bits of it on Scala. And lots of people were keen on like talking about Scala, but I actually wanted to use it. And uh, so we did the coding dojos. We sit, we go there, meet up on an evening for an hour and a half, decide on a pro- problem, uh, and then try and code that uh, in mm. in uh, Scala. And we'd all get into little groups of like three, four, five people and uh, and then show what we created at the end. Uh, and a lot of it looked like Java to start with. Uh, which, <laughs> but that was that was the appeal, right? So you could you could write Java in Scala. Yeah. You could write uh, the, you could write you could write basically write Java without the semicolons. Well, yeah, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> that looks that looks kind of sort of like Python. So you yeah. can you can get away with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was like the compile time was just really slow, and uh, yeah. so we kind of we all huddled around, like because we uh, the, first of all we started with with just like uh, two people at the keyboard, and and they do something, and then we just sit there and wait for it to do something, and then uh, like a minute <laughs> later, we do it, and and we were all excited about uh, SBT, which is a build tool, because oh uh, oh, yeah. you didn't have to write XML for the configuration, yeah. uh, so that's quite. Yeah. Nice. Remember what that used to stand for, John. Uh, simple, yeah, simple yes. build tool. Used to send yes. for simple build yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the the th- but the um, the irony. I, st- I run that for about a year, uh, and then I managed to delegate that to somebody else. But I didn't I know anything about going to a dojo, so I started going to the Python and Closure dojos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first time I went to a Closure dojo, I thought, "What is this language? It's like it's like alien technology. It's like oh, <laughs> I don't understand it." But it was like I did find it fascinating and. I think after about a year or so, I, I kind of started to really kind of uh, appreciate it and start to understand, oh, this is quite interesting. And then I kind of had the kind of moment, at, like this clarity of moments, that, oh, I just write def and def and, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and like everything else is like, oh, I just put a list in here and a map in there and a set but Did in you there. notice at the dojos that every the turnaround time was different? Um, we certainly got a lot more done in the closure one. That's what I mean. Like I mean, compile were cycle is a lot shorter. The REPL more at that one, or were people still compiling and running things? How much of a REPL-driven experience were the dojos giving you at that time? I think when I first started going to the one, uh, it was it was a little bit slower because uh, everybody was using, uh, or everybody was trying to use Emacs and uh, and Slime, and so Slime was the uh, the Lisp uh, version of the REPL, but it just being tweaked for a closure. Uh, it wasn't until Cider, uh, all hell, our Lord and God, uh, Buzz, uh, who uh, <laughs> who created the awesome project to actually make Closure really work very well with Emacs. Yeah. And uh, that then people really started using the REPL all the time. In fact, a lot of people were just doing things in the REPL initially and then mm. uh, remembering to uh, save their code out. Uh, and then people moved into actually just writing code in the uh in the source code file, and then evaluating that as you go along. Mm-hmm. I think that was around about the time when uh, Lighttable came out. People could reali- re- realize right, they could just right. yeah. write a source code file and just evaluate pieces of that source code file. Uh, and that really did kind of tr- push the whole REPL-driven development stuff, so it was quite nice. Yeah. But you, you, you're you also running the Closure Bridge now, right? Or, or you have been running it for, for a long time now? Yeah, I seem to run everything. I've been trying to get delegate that <laughs> to everybody else, but uh, maybe I'm just a bit of a tyrant when it comes to running events. I don't know, uh, but uh, uh, or people. Uh, I, I've got people involved. People help, uh, and uh, but I think in terms of driving them, then um, it's uh, I do a lot of work around to just make th- make sure things happen. Uh, and people, yeah. I mean, the dojos, the coding dojos have been going on forever. I mean, U Switch mm. and ThoughtWorks have been running uh, a coding dojo for. 
I don't know. Uh, well, ThoughtWorks has been running one for, I think it started around 2009. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had a bit of a gap. So they've been doing it for like nearly a decade. And I think U-Switch were doing one early, like 210s, like uh, 2010, 2011. Yeah. Uh, and they started doing the, the closure bridge. We did a closure bridge at um, closure bridge London at uh, U-Switch in around, mm. I think it was 2014. Mm-hmm. And we were completely clueless. We had no idea what to do. Uh, and we turned up for a, a meeting of, of the, the organizers, like I think about a week before. And uh, yeah, we didn't have an I didn't have any idea what to do. There was lots of documentation, but it <laughs> kind of didn't really say an awful lot to what we needed to do. Um, yeah. And we've evolved it a lot since then. So I've, I've rewritten uh, around curriculum as well, which also um, kind of led into me like writing more, more, more tutorials and workbooks and so on. Uh, but yeah, that's been great. I mean, we've done that. I think we've done about 13, 14 uh, events. Mm. Uh, and it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of our uh, kind of our Rolls Royce, our kind of like flagship event. Yeah. Uh, we make a lot of effort yeah. to make it uh, uh, more than just here's a bit of pizza or a bit of cold pizza and uh, mm. let's do some code. Uh, so it's it's more of an experience because uh, it's, it's, you know, geared to it's for those people i don't know i mean closure bridge is geared towards un- underrepresented groups uh and so the one we usually support the most is uh is for women mm. uh and so we get uh so it's a women first policy that uh, we get a whole bunch or we yeah we get students to sign up and if you're if you're a man uh then you obviously need to be invited by a woman that helps kind of start introducing some more balance into the kind of like the uh the audience in general in the closure community. So that's been really great. Uh, yeah. And the first time I think we ran it, we got about, we got nearly 40 people turning up. Uh, so it was really enthusiastic. And we've had around about 25 to 30 students uh, for each one of those as well. Yeah. Uh, but we do like we we do get some nice food. We've had like curries and all sorts <laughs> of stuff like that. So really, really tasty food uh, and not just uh, pizza. So it's, uh, it's a really nice experience. <laughs> But what what do you see when uh, or when when you're looking at these people who I'm assuming uh, they don't have any previous programming experience, right? Well, we get about so, uh, we get about fifty fifty. So like fifty percent uh, of people have got almost no programming experience, or maybe a little bit of HTML, and they've kind of dabbled with a little bit of like an online JavaScript tutorial. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. there's other people. Uh, so the other fifty percent are of kind of doing their first language, but they're only in like their first year and a bit of doing that. So they're yeah, still yeah. fairly new in the uh, okay. in the environment. But what do they struggle with? Uh, if, I mean, especially with closure. Uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, we we I think the part of the problem initially was we were just giving them too much information, uh, mm-hmm. and so we we banned all talk about macros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first first okay. first rule of uh, closure bridge: don't talk about macros. <laughs> don't talk about macros. <laughs> uh, because uh, there's so many interesting things, uh, and I think it's about setting uh, perceptions of the the coaches as well. One of the nice things is we always had uh, like several coaches, uh, well, a lot mm-hmm. of coaches that volunteered, so from the community, uh, and we got to a place where we're getting uh, one coach per uh, student, um, mm-hmm. and so you could get like one-on-one coaching help. Uh, from yeah. that student as well. It's a bit like uh, we've got something called Code Bar that like runs uh, regularly here that do the same thing, but for all sorts mm. of different languages. And uh, it, that, that really helped kind of uh, everybody work at their own pace. Mm. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if you're in a bigger group, then you have to track like you have to keep up with uh, everybody else. Some people will get one explanation. So we used to do a lot of getting students to explain things to each other, uh, which really yeah. helped as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I think there's a lot of easy things you can introduce in terms of closure. Uh, if you start at the right place, if you start trying to do all the theory behind it, mm. um, I mean, if you start talking about category theory, I mean, like you've just lost everybody <laughs> as well. So, um, uh, even including me, probably. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, you, I mean, you start. You, you can. There's a lot of really simple things in closure. I mean, you you have uh, a list and a vector. Uh, um, and uh, and a map, and those are fairly easy kind of modeling constructs to, to uh, take, and you want to give a map a name, so you've got def, uh, and mm. then there's lots of functions you can use, so you start introducing a, a bunch of functions, uh, but it's coming up with some good analogies as well, so things like map and reduce, I mean, they're kind mm. of the bread and butter of closure, mm. uh, and it, they're quite hard to understand and quite hard for some of the... Um, some of the uh, volunteers to actually explain, some of the coaches to explain that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we did things like the, the map reduce sandwich, uh, mm-hmm. which is a nice visualization of what map and reduce does. So like with map, mm-hmm. uh, with the map reduce sandwich, you, uh, you kind of map a function called knife over all your ingredients, and then, then you get sliced uh, ingredients. So you get sliced bread, mm-hmm. sliced tomato, and so on. And then you reduce those ingredients to make a whole bunch of sandwiches. Nice. And things like that can like, oh, I understand it, but if you just kind of show, sometimes just showing things at a REPL can help as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just doing simple examples and then kind of building up to bigger examples as well. So uh, a lot of the things we did were were just really, really simplistic stuff, stuff you would find in yeah. the first like 10 or 15 kind of exercises of foreclosure, uh, yeah. which also is a really good uh, like learning tool. Um, yeah. We use a lot of foreclosure in the coding dojos. Uh, it's it's a great okay. way to get people on board because uh, you can do um, if people are motivated, they can do at least the first twenty foreclosure um, exercises in like an hour and a half, and it, and yeah. it gives well, them a great the, sense uh, of. Uh, yeah, go on, sorry. And even the the interface is also uh, really easy to, and you don't have to install uh, anything. Like exactly, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's useful to have like. Uh, an editor to kind of play around with stuff when you get further along. Yeah. But for the first like 20 or so, I mean, you can just play around in uh, yeah. in foreclosure itself on the web page. Um, I was just going to say what, you know, what is the, I know it's all about like inclusion and uh, helping underrepresented groups, but what, what do you, what do you, uh, in terms of like follow-up, like you, so you do, people do this like day of closure, which is really good. Um, and I can imagine people get pretty buzzed because, they get a lot of feedback. They, like you said, they've got a lot of great, like one-to-one stuff. What's the follow-up look like on that? And you know, what do people do after it? What, what's the stories? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so the well, obviously, everybody has a Sunday off because their their brains are just throbbing with all the information they've sure, sure. Uh, done. It's quite a, quite a long day because it is a like a, we do we do a little warm up on the Friday just to make sure we've got like an, something installed if they want to uh, kind of keep on doing closure afterwards. Uh, and um, and then the whole day Saturday is like yeah it's like ten till ten till five with a few breaks. Uh, so there's a lot of kind of stuff that they can get through, but there's they don't um, very rarely. There's so much information in there, so many tutorials now that we've added. It's like it's not possible to do everything. So there's a lot of stuff they can do uh, to continue on from that. But the the more rewarding things were actually 
seeing people come to the other events that we were running. So the Closure Bridge London events, we do maybe uh, one, two, three of those uh, a year. But then we were doing like, two, three, four events a month. Um, and so it was great to – so it was like a drop in the ocean compared to all the other events that we were running uh, with hack, like things like Hack the Tower and uh, and the two dojos. And the, we used to do like a, week, a, a monthly uh, presentation as well. And we, do, we would get people – who came uh, to Closure Bridge London to actually come to those events as well, especially the the Hack the Tower one where they could just, again, it was like another day where they, it was open to everybody where they could come along and uh, and and try out stuff and uh, and work with other people and uh, and continue on their learning as well. So we got quite a lot of people coming to that event as well. So that was really good. Hmm. So speaking of these, these events, I think uh, you're also involved with the Reclosure. Oh, yes. Is, well, I'm trying not to be. <laughs> <laughs> I uh it's not that there's anything wrong with it it's just that I spent I spent several years uh, organizing the closure x uh which is the yeah. uh, the skills matter uh, conference yeah very good by the way I went to the last one that you had yes it was really did you good. speak at the last one I did yes so yes, thank you very much yeah you called it something <laughs> <laughs> an event, an activity, an action, or something. You, you described it in some way, but it wasn't. Sure, at all. Were you singing at one point? I was. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Probably. And then it was Bojidar, the, uh, the, oh. the cider man, was doing press ups for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was certainly the most uh, memorable uh, one of that as well. I think the the videos are actually back up again because uh, somebody actually uh, put some money into Skills Matter because they they went. Uh, bust. Uh, so yeah. that's the reason we had uh, reclosure. Is that I think about, I think it was only like three or four weeks before the conference. The, it was, there was an announcement that, um, yeah, Skills Matter had gone bankrupt, uh, had mm. gone into administration, and um, and so like nobody knew for a few days what was actually happening with the with the conferences. Uh, and then we kind of realised that yeah, they're not going to happen. Uh, so I think it was, uh, Renzo and, uh, Alex and a few other people, uh, got together, uh, and I just advised them really, mm. uh, and just made sure that they covered all the basics, uh, which they yeah. had done mostly. I mean, I didn't really have to do much. Um, but, uh, yeah, just helped them out where I could. And yeah, so we're going to keep on doing that, uh, reclosure. Uh, thing, but the idea, one of the ideas was that it, it's a like a conf- we want to try and make it a conference in a box. Obviously, there's not mm. much point at the moment because nobody's doing <laughs> conferences. But well, um, nobody's conference in a box, not in a box. Not in, in a, a box, box yeah. could be possible, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea was that you could just open the box and then you could run your own conference uh, anywhere in well, anywhere in, you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah there's I, I think. The the fact that it's a community conference, it was it was a free conference, uh, so even if somebody bought a ticket, they could come to that. But I mean, because there was no chance of people getting tickets back, I don't think. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a conference for everybody to come along, and we got I think it was one of our one of my most uh, popular turnouts, I think, in terms of um, people actually. Uh, being very motivated, they want to come. We kept because we put a limit of, I think we put a limit of like a hundred tickets initially, yeah. and then people yeah. were asking us, "Oh, can we come? Can we come? Can we come?" Uh, yeah. And there's so many people interested in coming along; it was great. Uh, yeah. And uh, we managed to get some of the speakers from uh, the previous conference. They'd agreed to come to this conference as well, 
Uh, obviously mm. not the ones that we had to fly in, so because uh, mm. uh, we didn't have any budget for that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it was a great experience. We had uh, and we had Malcolm Sparks from Juxt closing it out as well. We're giving a, a really interesting talk about data formats and uh, uh, mm. how we should probably use uh, Eden or some form of some form of uh, binary JSON. Uh, that was really cool. Yeah. See, see, I, I do have some some idea of uh, of all the difficult work that you need to do for the for the conference. So. I think I was part of the Dutch Closure Day uh, free conference, especially free conference right. means, you know, it's it's uh, it's mental whether you're going to pull it off or not. Because, I mean, some of the speakers were very kind. I mean, they don't need travel expenses or something, but still we want to make sure that everything is uh, done in a bit. But the venue and those things are not free. So we have to yeah. put in a lot of uh, effort to get that kind of shit done. Yeah. And I was really, really looking forward to attending Dutch Closure Day this year because I stopped being the, uh, I took a step back and, Okay, this is too much work, so I'm not gonna do too much work because I'm too old for this shit. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna sit, sit, sit back and then listen to the talks now. Finally, but uh, this whole uh, coronavirus shit happened and everything is now uh, upside down. So, so it's it's uh, yeah, but it's it's a really. Uh, I mean, I do appreciate from both sides, you know, as an attendee and also I've seen I've seen the the side of organization. So it's it's a fucking really hard work. <laughs> yeah, I was getting a little bit burnt out with because uh, I was organizing the meetups, like the presentations. Yeah. Um, the dojos themselves have kind of been pretty much automated. So it's only when uh, kind of we're we're losing a host or or something like that. Or yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, ThoughtWorks has been really great. They've always found somebody else to host it as well. So that the, the uh, Yolina was hosting it for like many years and. Um, mm. Uh, she's got changing circumstances. She just had a, a baby. Uh, congratulations! Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, <clears throat> she found somebody to take it over, and, and he's doing a great job uh, at the moment yeah. as well. Until the uh, coronavirus kicked in, uh, and he's been doing <laughs> a great job on baby? that as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> and uh, and and I've got Uswitch. Uh, there's like a team of four people at Uswitch that take in turns to to organize and run the uh, uh, the dojo mm -hmm. as well. So they're they're all doing what I used to do. <laughs> So I've, <laughs> I've, I've I finally managed to delegate, so that was great. Um, nice. So you're distilling all this. So years and years of experience, Java, Closure, of course, a bit of uh, Scala, and then now uh, you're you're now distilling all these things into into multiple books. Then, so what, what are you writing these days? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, bring it, yeah, bring it, well, up, bring it up to date, John. Come on. Well, yes. uh, <laughs> the one thing I'm definitely not writing is a book on Scala. Um, <laughs> not that uh, not that there's anything wrong with books on Scala. Well, I, I do have a signed book for uh, from Martin Odersky. If anybody wants that, I'm, I'm open to offers. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a physical book that's been signed by the man himself. Um, uh, the 800 page one. Uh, yes, and it, it's oh, cool. it's it's unread as well, so it's it's in pristine condition. <laughs> condition. <laughs> pristine condition. <laughs> Hey, if only you have read that thing, you know, you could be an amazing Scala programmer by now. Um, yeah, if, if I couldn't get his uh, two-day workshop, then I'm not going to get his book. So uh, there we go. <laughs> Good point. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been doing books for a while. Well, the books started off as workshops uh, for conferences. So there was like a closure one to start with, and then uh, there's a closure web apps. So specifically mm -hmm. like building like Ring and Composure. I used to use that quite a lot at the – I used both of those at the Hack the Tower event. Uh, so like we just spent a whole day working on it and developed uh, things from there as well. Uh, and then I decided I could do front-end development uh, and uh, started writing <laughs> JavaScript. Because mm -hmm. 
one of the interesting things about uh, ClojureScript is it actually convinces you that you can actually do front-end development, even yeah. if you've never done it before, um, because it's so much easier than doing it in any other language I've tried anyway. Uh, it's certainly a lot easy, easier to do that in JavaScript, to a certain point anyway. Um, it's certainly like your first website. I mean, my, my Practically website is written in ClojureScript, Hmm. Um, although I, a big part of that is just choosing the right CSS framework uh, to help you make it look pretty, but it, it makes it so much easier to uh, to do things. Uh, I find, uh, especially if you know a little bit of Closure, it's actually quite simple to actually build uh, a front end. Uh, so hmm. I've been trying to codify uh, codify my uh, learning into the Closure script book. Um, that needs an awful lot of work, I think, still. But um, um, I did. Uh, uh, I was very lucky to just receive some funding from uh, Closurist together. Yeah, congratulations! Yeah, I was about to yeah. about to talk about that stuff as well. Um, yeah. So we'll come back to that in a second. But yeah, yeah so so I've got those three books. Then there's a Spacemax book, uh, and mm -hmm. because I've been doing a bunch of data science uh, things in mm -hmm. my broadcasts recently, then I've started a data science book as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's <laughs> it's got no it's got no competition to things like the Dragons uh, books on data science. They are, are, are really amazing. But just some like basic uh, data visualization, the extract and mm. transformation side of things. Yep. So basically, it's more like a like bit, basic data science enclosure for dummies. Because okay. uh, I'm not a data scientist either. So, uh, uh, but it's uh, it's kind of it's shows data science me for you basically. It is basically yeah. well, all my <laughs> books are for me. Uh, it's just other people find them useful, so that's really good. Uh, but where where can they find them? Or, or us, where can we find them? Uh, well, there's uh, a special offer at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> They're all available absolutely free on the internet. Uh, and so if you go to uh, practically.github.io uh, is the main website, and uh, all written in ClojureScript. And the, all the books are on the front page with links to all the videos as well. All the videos are on YouTube, so people can subscribe to my YouTube video as well. I've got over 400 people on there and more really joining all the time nice. oh, so it's quite nice and uh, uh, yeah all the books are on there and then I've got a GitHub uh, practically organization with all the code in uh, as well so mm. uh, yeah it's fairly easy to find you can also go to practical.li um, I was trying to find a nice I was trying to find practical uh, something uh, and the yeah. only one that was available was Lichtenstein that's why it's li <laughs> <laughs> It was also considerably cheaper than a few of the other options as well. I think there was one that was about three hundred pounds or three hundred dollars a year. So that, wow. that was not quite. I don't quite make that amount of money for the books. <laughs> so, so um, t tell us about the closure closures together thing uh, that that you're going to do, or you started doing already. Uh, I haven't actually started yet. Uh, they've only just mm. announced it. Um, yeah, I've got the contract yet. Um, but um, but I expect that we any day. Hold, so we'll I, hold the uh, the podcast back a little bit. No, it's been it's yeah. been announced. So it's uh, it's 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 out on Twitter. It's okay. um, so yeah, yeah. I think I'm planning to start uh, in May, like sometime the first week of May. Uh, I think that's when I because the um, the very basics of it. So you get you get some funding like, which uh, goes over the three months, uh, mm -hmm. and so you do some reports on what you're doing so that the uh, uh, closureists uh, together community can understand what. The, what they're getting from that investment as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it, it, they're fairly simple, but I do have, I've been, as part of the process for applying it, you, you basically have to uh, let people know what you're actually getting 
the funding yeah, for. Yeah. And yeah. so I've laid out kind of a, like a, a uh, like an overview of each of the books and what I want to deliver from them. And mm-hmm. so with this funding, my aim is to to get all of those books uh, up to scratch. Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, I think the the web apps one is probably more uh, detailed one. And so mm-hmm. that starts with things like uh, Ring and Composure, going to Composure API, and then we're doing things like Luminous and Pedestal and HTTP kits for performance and so on. Uh, and okay. then Yadda and Biddy and Reitits and components frameworks, mm-hmm. uh, and and then finally wrapping up with uh, Duct and things like Duct and yep. uh, Edge as well. So it'll be quite because uh, one of the things that uh, people struggle with is like, I want to build this. What do I use? Because uh, yeah. uh, Clojure gives you a, a function, uh, yeah. and quite a lot. Well, six hundred functions if you look in the <laughs> Clojure core. <laughs> core, uh, yeah. But. Uh, People liked people are very used to using frameworks, uh, but there's usually a library for that. And then, which libraries do I put together uh, for this particular situation? So that's why I'm trying to give somebody a, like a basic journey of like the the most common kind of uh, approaches people take for uh, building like web apps or um, doing some, something like that. So that's a, that's what I'm aiming to do. So it's like yeah. a cookbook type thing, type thing. Uh, yeah, with, with lots of very practical uh, exercises and so on, so you can can build the websites and trying to do a few different things in each uh, of those things, uh, each of the different libraries, uh, and give some commentary on uh, why you would use them, some positioning really. So it's trying to do, I guess it, in a way it's doing marketing, but like the proper developer marketing way you're actually explaining why you would use this library. So it's how you would, if you were a lead developer, how you would explain to your team why you're making oh, yeah. decisions over certain libraries. So we include yeah. a lot of that stuff as well. And and it's not just my opinion. I want I'm sourcing a lot of the information from the closure community as well and and kind of taking a, a an opinionated opinionated view of everybody's kind of feedback on that as well. But how how do you see because the of course I'm gonna plan for the book and also writing the book and also experience and teaching people because there is this discussion around closure always comes back uh, on on when somebody's starting it's like there is no framework. There is no one thing. There is no. So, how do you see this? Because if 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 I see that book, for example, and the, uh, there are like everything is a library, different things, and how they work together. Uh, if I start with Rails, it's just Rails generate or something. I mean, it's been a long time since I used Rails, but you know, <laughs> you get the idea. So, how how do you see this argument for framework versus no framework? Yeah, yeah, I don't really like. Framework. Well, it's not. That I don't like frameworks. I think frameworks have a a very hard constraints usually. Uh, I and mean, you, you look at you look at uh, whether you're looking at Rails or you're looking at Spring. Mm-hmm. There's some, uh, and even like the EJB framework. I kind think of you've got some very hard kind of constraints. You can do X, Y, Z in in these frameworks, and everything works fine. You can do them really quickly. But if you want to do ABC, mm-hmm. you're just fighting against framework over and over again. Uh, yeah. And then when somebody decides to redesign the framework completely, like you go from play one to play two in Scala, then you have to rewrite your application anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's, the thing uh, is that, I mean, X, Y, Z is essentially someone's view of what is legitimate. And ABC is someone's view of what is not legitimate. That's why this is why it always, that's why frameworks annoy me a little bit is because they're kind of saying, this is the right way of doing it. That's why our framework does this. If you're trying to do something else, then you're, by implication at least, wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, I think, and I think in a way it's also worse than that because you're you're delegating a decision to somebody mm-hmm. else. To the, yes. you're delegating all like a lot of decisions usually. Especially the bigger the framework, the more decisions you're delegating away to somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and and not and maybe not even thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to do this because we delegate a whole bunch of things already we don't we don't kind of build an operating system we don't build a desktop environment we don't kind of do uh, build all our tools and stuff we do delegate an awful lot of stuff but you can't delegate everything you have to make some decisions yourself and sometimes it is makes perfect sense to go off and use a uh, framework but if that's your only decision then i think that's massively flawed and i think that the nice thing about closure is the one thing that everybody complains about say well there's no framework yeah, because then you have to think, yeah, uh, and you have to kind of at least think about it. Even if you go off and just uh, use um, a template like Luminous, uh, which mm. is a great example of putting things together, mm. but then you're not tied to those decisions that you make. You can pull things out and, and change things around, and you can grow into making some of those decisions later on. But mm. it encourages you uh, to actually make those decisions in the first place. Uh, and it, I think it's a little bit unfair to call people lazy, but it's 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 having that that decision. They they've just um, delegated that decision without really necessarily thinking whether they should do or not. And yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I've had some discussions like that. Yeah, closure would be great if there was only a Rails framework. I think that that would be not great. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't think it would be bad. But I think is if that's where everybody started, and that's every, what everybody thought closure was about, I think that yeah. would be very bad. And so, I mean, and in a sense, we've already got that anyway. I mean, if somebody wants to build a website, uh, so a backend website, we've already got a Rails framework. It's called it's called Ring and Composure. It's because yeah. it's what ninety percent of the people used to build a backend website. <laughs> but so. It- Looking at all these, all these uh, uh, from the landscape, what is your favorite pieces to pick to to compose your <coughs> framework? <laughs> um, I think we normally call it a stack, don't we? You know, a stack, we, yes. Sure. Let's let's call yeah. it a different name now. And that would be, <laughs> yeah. I think I think a framework is is a very contentious kind of word. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it is a, a simple case of just well, we change the word. Or we, yeah. we don't talk about it. I think, yeah, people have used micro frameworks and things like that, but it's, it's still a framework. <laughs> uh, but I think it's 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 a decision that you're making, uh, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, what is the decision you're making? I, I I like building, I do like the simplicity of building a, a website in using mm. Ring and Composure. And mm. uh, it, it, it's so easy. And, and doing the uh, like Composure APIs, I mean, there's nothing simpler than building an API with the Composure API template. And yeah. uh, it, it includes Swagger Open API, as, as it's called now, and mm-hmm. uh, it just it just works. And, and Metasyn have done a, a really nice packaging of some decisions, which uh, they do explain. I mean, if you read the readme in the project, the project explains yeah. uh, a lot more about some of the decisions behind it. And then you start looking at some of the com- like component frameworks with it as well, because there's mm-hmm. no. Um, I mean, how many? How many frameworks have you used where you can just come in and change like the component lifecycle with just yeah. like one line of code? Uh, and, and being able to do that, having an appreciation that you can come in and do that is, I think that's an important part 
of learning closure. Uh, mm. And if we take that away from people, uh, I think we're doing them a disservice. Because I, I think one of the things that makes closure special, uh, along, it's a quite long list, but <laughs> one of the things I think is important is it, it gets people thinking. And yeah. it's not just hammock time. It's about, okay, it's my responsibility for this design of this application. What am I going to use? Not just mm. what does the thing, how can I just get this thing out the door and working? Um, mm. and, and I think part of that is because there's a lot more kind of experienced people using Clojure. So there's a lot of that in the community, the discussion. But I think they're just the, the community itself just encourages, uh, because you've got uh, all these different libraries you can use, there's a discussion that's inherent in having choice. Yeah. And if you take away that choice, then you lose the discussion. The way I liken it to is kind of like, what's your favorite music? You know, it's like, well, okay, you know, uh, great question. <laughs> For It will change week by week and it will change yeah. year by year. And maybe I like jazz, maybe I like classical, maybe I like rock, maybe I like pop, maybe I like folk. And actually, when you get a framework, you're stuck on folk and you bet, you know, uh, you know, and you, if you don't like it, you can fork off. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was, that was a, oh, I just thought about that one. Okay, carry on. That was a pun worthy of the, uh, <clears throat> the, the closure podcast. No, I mean, this one, that, that's, it's, it's deafened level humor. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, okay. There's uh yeah, you should submit that to the closure design podcast. They love puns. <laughs> I actually really do like the. Uh, they actually, I'm, I'm probably going to uh, borrow a lot of their learnings from the Closure Design podcast. They've just covered uh, a recent series on doing uh, sort of web uh, web application development, uh, mm-hmm. and some lot of really interesting stuff there as well. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a really nice, um, it's a really nice podcast to listen to actually. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, I think these I guys are doing really good work. I got to say because. At first, when I listened to the first one or two episodes, and I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, what the fuck? To be honest, you know, it's what, what, are, they, what are they doing? They're basically talking through code on a podcast, this, as if we know what this, we're doing. No, no, no. But I mean, I thought that the whole conceit was ridiculous, you know. But but actually, it yeah. turns out that they, it turns out that they're really talking about what you're saying about John, which is they're talking about design decisions, and they're backing yeah. it up mm-hmm. with sort of examples and pipelines and stuff like this, and. Um, so it turns out, I think you know, yeah, kudos to those guys. I think uh, it, it started off being a bit a bit weird for me. I didn't I didn't really get it at first, but persevering with it, I think they they are doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, they did some nice sections on things like laziness and uh, and also the uh, recursive uh, recursive functions as well. That was that was really good. I really enjoyed yeah. that uh, bit because it, it's I get, it might be because I was doing some stuff at the time. It's like going from, and I quite like this idea. I don't know if they've discussed it or not, but I, they gave me this idea of this like this closure abstraction mountain, which is a bit like Kilimanjaro rather than uh, Mount Everest. And you kind of start off like with simple functions, and then you start going up, and you might do like a loop recur or, uh, or like a recursive function, and then you've got reduce and reducing functions, and then you've got mm. things like sequences, abstractions, and you've got all the way up to uh, transducers and so on. And hmm. it's quite a nice uh, kind of visualization. So I'm trying to find a way to actually visualize that and make sense of that. And one of the things I want to do in the closure book is try and group like functions into families of like, I want to mm-hmm. do this. What are my options? Because uh, uh, like the closure, uh, closure docs website is really good if you know roughly what you're looking for. 
Uh, And because even if you don't find the right one, it's got links to other ones. But it's kind of like grouping things together, I think, in like these little uh, functional families inside Closure Core. Right, yeah. And then you can kind of know, well, if I know one, then I can go and go and look at the its relatives and see what kind of similar kind of things it does. Mm. It might not be exactly the same, but it's... Like uh, a taxonomy it, type thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, very. Isn't that dangerously close to Haskell way of thinking? Oh, is this a, is this a functor? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Then, oh, is this is this a monad? Yeah, that makes sense now. It's more about its <laughs> its uh, its purpose rather than uh, like its design kind of thing. So, um, and so things like uh, yeah, partition and group by and sort by and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's kind yeah. of like is is these are the kind of the different flavors of crisps you can buy in it. So you've got buy buy an all sorted packet of crisps and these are the different crisps you can get uh, yeah. and uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't need to talk about types or anything. There won't be any types in my book apart from the, uh, <laughs> apart from the type function. That would be probably the only thing I cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yes. Mm. But I'm, I'm, I'm a bit uh, curious if there is uh, such a taxonomy somewhere that describes these computations or, Groups them right. Well, I mean, there, you, there must be something. You know, there, there was a. I was listening to. Funny enough, talking about other podcasts. There was um, the, the Rappel podcast with um, uh, Daniel. Daniel. Um, eh, second yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Come on, we've had him on the, the show Compton? as well. <laughs> yeah. okay. Daniel Compton. Compton. Sorry, Daniel. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. very, if, if you are listening to this, yeah, very very good. <laughs> no, guys. Got bored as you go. But he had he had another firm favourite of of ours on there, Mister Mikael Borkant, Bork dude, and he was talking oh, yes. about uh, one of his. He's my videos. other hero. Yeah, yes. top, top lad. Um, and uh, he was talking about Refined, which is this thing he has, which oh, is yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. where you can specify like the inputs and out the inputs of an argument, and it will t- it will find the thing that you're looking for. So yeah. that could be you know something to play into your to your world there a little bit, John. You know. That that is linked off my uh, practically closure book. If uh, you go to the side links, but yeah, that's really really useful. Uh, although yeah. every now and again, I, I I yeah, I know it's useful because when it doesn't work, um, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> I have to think. Um, I can't balk dude think for me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I he has quite like quite a lot of thinking for you. In fairness, <laughs> it's a huge amount. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like especially uh, CLJ Condo. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, it's one thing I don't know how I'm actually programmed before without it. <laughs> um, it's uh, it just tells me all the things I do wrong. It's great, uh, and in a, in a in a way that's not annoying as well. So it's quite nice because like uh, it's it's like having a code review but without the pain and embarrassment. <laughs> um. Anyway, but enough of him. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I could, I could spend a whole hour and a half talking about Bog dude. Yeah. I know. <laughs> We call this book dude episode. It's, yeah, and I still wouldn't have covered half of it. Well, not even though like one percent of all the things he's written at recently. Oh, yeah. so. No, he's, he's on yeah, fire. Yeah. He's on fire. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, Babashka is our current favorite. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So, John, <laughs> I remember. I remember. Uh, if we're going back in the day to when I first sort of encountered you on the internet was when you were with J Boss, I think, and you did this. Uh, what was the framework thing that you did actually? It was a framework back in the day, wasn't it? Um, uh, int- not integral, immuted, immutant, immutant. I'm trying to remember that. Um... No, maybe it wasn't immutant, but it was something where you, where you basically programmed closure and it ran in JBoss. Um, no, it was Toby. I don't Toby think that Fuller was me. JBoss people. Oh, that, that wasn't, wasn't me. You. 
No. Fuck. Okay. I, I'd Sorry, like to claim credit if I can. <laughs> but uh, well, if 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 Toby is not listening to this stuff, we can just say, "Hey, John hey, made sorry it." Sorry about right, that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it does remind me of one of the things I I did try briefly, but I didn't really. Uh, I, I don't think I really published it because I used to work for Salesforce, and right, okay. um, mm-hmm. that's quite interesting because they use Java. I, I did try and convince them to convert over to Closure, but I was probably about ten years too late. Uh, and um, in all fairness, uh, but uh, and they were really great. They were very supportive of the uh, Hack the Tower events we were running as mm. well. Uh, but they they had a, a platform. They had like a massive framework, a uh, massive platform. I mean, it was so big. The framework was so big. We called it a platform, uh, and that was all written in Java, uh, so Java Virtual Machine. But it also had uh, like a web container in the front end, so you could basically mm. just drop in uh, like JavaScript, and then oh, if you can drop in JavaScript. I can write closure scripts and put it in there as well. <laughs> and everything was like everything around it was like an API, and and they did a really interesting. I mean, the the architecture of Salesforce is really interesting from an architectural point of view. Uh, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter that it's written in, in a particular language. I mean, the the design of a, a very scalable system like that is is a really interesting read. Uh, and you can get there's a white paper that they've got as well, which is quite interesting. You can just download it for free uh, that explains the architecture. But yeah, just putting uh, being able to put something into their web container, running that, and just calling their APIs, uh, yeah, it was it was great fun to be able to do that. Hmm. So maybe uh, just to because we covered a lot of ground, um, praising everything about Closure. So if you take a critical look uh, at Closure, so what would you think? The challenges or problems or uh, yeah places where we can improve uh, from the language point of view or anything related to closure. Uh, yeah, I think there's uh, there's no massive like big problems. Uh, I mean, there's in I think in Closure X, uh, not last year, I think in 2018, we had a few people raising their kind of pet peeves about things, um, but I. It, but they're all quite niche. I mean, unless it, like it's when you're hitting the kind of niche areas of of computing uh, that I think you start to see some of the rougher edges. Because um, I, th- mm. I think it's it's hard to find fault with Clojure because it's it's the oldest young language out there. <laughs> because yeah. most of it is from 1958. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it, it's already been. So I mean, I, I appreciate Rich Hickey spent two years thinking about it, but it's already had like like a few decades as well as that. Mm. Uh, to I mean, he kind of really did an amazing job to bring it to a platform. Well, to bring it to not just a platform, to bring it to so many different platforms as well. Mm. Uh, because I mean, that's a nice thing. I always think of it as a sort of blackbird. It comes in and just lays its eggs wherever it wants to uh, in other people's uh, operating systems yes. and virtual <laughs> machines cuckoo, and so cuckoo, on. Cuckoo, isn't it? A cuckoo. Oh, yes. Yeah. A cuckoo, yeah. yes. <laughs> blackbird. Blackbird. <laughs> One of those things. One of those birds that does that. Um, but I think, to be honest, I think the biggest challenge is the challenge with any language, and that's like learning it. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what my books are. Uh, are therefore to help people uh and it, it's you can never do enough uh yeah and i think i think with languages that are very targeted at a specific uh area I, I think you take like elm which is a great language for doing front-end stuff but if you want to do anything else then it's yeah you you don't basically yeah, yeah. uh but because they're working on a very specific problem then it's very easy to write very good documentation just for that. But when you've got a general purpose language, like which is what Clojure is, 
how do you write a definitive guide for a general purpose language? I mean, it would take longer than my lifetime. Um, mm. But there is a lot of really useful stuff. And I think this was really highlighted with, and still in a way it's highlighted with the closure script side of things. Yeah. Uh, I think when it first came out, it was so horrible to use. I mean, if you didn't, if you weren't an expert <laughs> yeah, in great. JavaScript, you couldn't really use closure script. Uh, if you didn't know kind of like the, the environment, uh, then it was because we did uh, we tried we did a dojo with uh, Closure One, which is uh, a web framework that some uh, which is a, a sample project that somebody came out with. Oh yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, uh, we spent I think there was about seven groups of about three or four people, and we spent an hour and a half. And I think two groups got something to work. Yeah. And the rest of them just felt so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and, and I think for the first couple of years, there wasn't really a huge amount of stuff out there. It was quite difficult to do uh, uh, Closure Script. And I think there's still a challenge around Closure Script if you don't know JavaScript. If you're not familiar with the JavaScript landscape and you don't know what all the different NPMs you should be using are, I think that's still very difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the nice things, I mean, the unless you, um, if you try and do it by yourself and just try and Google the internet, the, there's not a huge amount. You can only get so far. Uh, I think uh, uh, as a closure script, the the person who does the closure script podcast, he's written a really great uh, tutorial around uh, like reframe and yeah, check. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, check. Yeah, yeah, and that something that that is 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 ideal. I mean, I'd love to be able mm-hmm. to write something of that kind of quality. Um, or to be able to have the experience to write something of that quality as well. But I think that's that's kind of the limiting factor is it's kind of like there's not enough kind of guides that are up to date. Mm. Uh, but I think that can change now because especially with Clojure, Clojure has become, uh, well, somebody said Clojure was dead, so that means it's mainstream. Uh, so uh, so it's est- we've established uh, yeah. Clojure is a viable uh, language to use in, in companies now because somebody said it's dead. Because uh, that's the that's the mark of knowing when you can use a language and and, uh, and not be fired for it. Because somebody said some of the internet says it's dead. Because um, that worked for Closure, uh, so it worked for Java and worked for Kerbal. Uh, it's still working for Kerbal, I think as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because most of the libraries aren't changing very much. There's a lot of new libraries that are coming out, but yeah. I mean, there's not been huge amounts of changes in Ring and Composure, uh, and so that's why I mean the book I wrote on the web apps stuff. I mean, a lot of that is like two, two, three years old, and it hasn't changed much at all, apart from a few point numbers in the libraries. Everything just works. And it's a nice thing about Clojure being backwards compatible. I mean, things don't change that much. So you can write some really useful guides to help people bring them into the community and get them productive and get them thinking about stuff. Uh, and then, um, then it's a lot easier. It's a lot more accessible it, it seems like less like alien technology and more like just a general purpose language that uh we should just come and have fun with um mm. but yeah there i mean there are issues people complain about um things like uh, core async uh which uh, which i think is really nice but i haven't really used it in anger enough uh when we used it at the the, the bank i mean we used it fairly simply to basically just that we use core async to basically push through uh, 30 million transactions a day onto uh, onto Tibco, and it worked. It worked mm. flawlessly. But then we weren't trying to do anything complex with it, um, yeah. and um, we weren't trying to do like futures and promises and so on. And uh, so I think trying to just capture uh, the experiences that people have, because we've got a wealth of experiences on the community, is trying to get capture that and codify that. Uh, and that's, I guess, that's one of the motivating things I have. I 
often go through the Clojure and Slack and the Zulip chat and just mm. copy bits in and stick them in my Kanban board and say, well, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting topic. We'll try and expand on that as well. Uh, and so I just want to capture that and ex- uh, expand on that as well. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to do the books for free because I don't want to put these behind any kind of firewall. Um, mm. I want people to be able to learn this and also give me feedback as well on, uh, on yeah. this as well and continue to improve it that way. But I'm afraid I can't really think of anything terrible to say about Clojure, except for <laughs> why didn't I use it when Rich Hickey uh-huh. uh, released it? Well, maybe not when Rich Hickey released it, but maybe version... Um, yeah, maybe a bit, a bit later. Maybe like the year afterwards, <laughs> yeah, 2008. Yeah. But John, I mean, you know, I, not to, you know, maybe want to force you down a controversial path, but <laughs> don't you think... <laughs> That's let's let's force it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's something that happened in 1.10, which I think was like spectacular. Yeah, which was the 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 change in the way that they reported errors. Yeah, this was. Oh this, yes, this yes. Was, this was truly magnificent what they did there. Uh, but I still think that you know the exception processing, the error handling processing. I mean, to me, that's still. It's not an Achilles heel anymore. It's def- they've definitely helped a lot. You know, things have things have improved tremendously. You know, in uh, in the one point ten release, but it still strikes me that you know knowing what went wrong in a closure program is definitely tricky. Yeah, I think that like Java Especially stack if you're traces beginners. You know, if you're teaching yeah, yeah. beginners, you know, yeah, Java stack traces uh, were always kind of weird, and there always was kind of some when things go wrong then having some experience of the Java platform uh, was quite useful. And it's still, in a way, it still is quite useful, especially in terms of deployment. Uh, it's always useful to kind of know a little bit of stuff about like how to, yeah, how to run things in the Java virtual machine. Uh, but yeah, like when, when things do go wrong and, and your normal tools, like, I mean, I, I do rely on a lot of tools like uh, the CIDR inspector and, uh, and things like that, but they're more for kind of logic errors, like, I get a result, but it's not the right result. But when it just goes bang, yeah, that's uh, that's a bit more tricky. And uh, mm. yeah, that there is, uh, yeah, it would be nice to have more tooling around that, more support around that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I guess I've got used to those things. So I kind of turned a blind eye from that more specifically. But uh, I think the one thing I would, I think the one thing I would like to. Uh, I mean, the one thing I missed really from Clojure was this idea of spec. I think that kind of brought back this idea of um, defining contracts around my uh, code and also my designs, my designs in terms of like the data structures that I was creating. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I am a little bit concerned as to the progress of spec two. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, I'm comforted that they're actually thinking about that, but obviously then there's a part of me that wants the new shiny kind of new version that's like even better than like spec one. And I think it does stop me a little bit in kind of adopting spec wider, but, um, but I think it's just the fact that it's still quite new, uh, for a lot of people as well. So they're kind of, st- because people know like there's another version coming out that's going to be different then it kind of stops, does stop the adoption of spec a little bit, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very good thing, though. I mean, it's definitely. Oh yeah, it, that's that's the problem with it. It's like it's alpha, but it's it's beautiful. It's it's very addictive sugar, though. You know. Yes. Yeah. We want we want that sugar. 
Well, I remember at, uh, when I was at university, I built a, a bit of tool. Um, it was like an object-oriented modeling tool, uh, and it also had contracts, because contracts are something that's like ages, like from the 80s, really, oh, yeah. uh, or I probably even earlier. Yeah. Uh, but I discovered it from like the Rumbar's OMT kind of OO kind of... Right, right. By, <laughs> certainly was deep in the OO, object-oriented license design kind of uh, world at that time. And uh, yeah, the idea of like having contracts around that as well uh, was uh, was a, a, just like a, an obvious thing to kind of use with, with uh, Clojure as well. And when you also compare that to like having a type system as well, you've got a lot more flexibility with your contracts uh, than you would with types, but it's, it's still doing the same uh, or possibly even more uh, confidence in your code because of these contracts. Yeah. Right then, VJ. Are we going to start to wrap up now? It's an hour and a half, and I mean, John could go on all night, but we, we, all, the, all, the, all of the, the streets are getting. Look, he's, dark, he's, a, you know, he's a cross-country the, the, cycling dude, so he yeah, can he can go. Yeah, owls are hooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, my cy- some of my cycling rides when I was riding across Britain, they were between nine and ten hours long. So uh, yeah, right. I can go a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> certainly we don't want the, we don't want the listeners to get saddle sore though you know <laughs> that's why i'm standing up i'm a bit saddle sore from yesterday <laughs> okay so i think we're almost um i mean let's let's put a comma here uh so we we can catch up again um and and good luck with all the all the books uh john yeah, i think amazing. um especially all the stuff that you're putting out there i mean i know a lot of people are, are uh, complimenting on that one already on Slack and I think um, on Reddit and everywhere. Mm. Uh, the, the, especially you're making uh, Space Max driven stuff so people can see how what is possible and how quickly mm. they can uh, get started with this uh, with this stuff. I think and for you, all the contributions. I think you need to change your name, by the way, to John prolifically. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Instead of practically. <laughs> well, I, I would probably change it to John. Nearly as as prolific as Bok Dude. <laughs> hey, that should be as easy domain to get with a dot de. <laughs> yes, probably cheaper. <laughs> yes, I'm nearly. But, nearly but I mean, there is there is, there is no. Uh, of course, I mean, the, uh, because putting all this all this uh, volunteer work. I mean, running Closure Bridge and you know different conferences and dojo and mm. bringing people in into. Uh, into into the community, you know that that's really really appreciated. I think um, so. Thanks. Yeah. A lot thank you very that. much. And um, good luck with all the all the books. Uh, and um, I think um, uh, so. How, this, this is a the closure closure this together thing is for three months, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to use it. So uh, I mean, it's more. <laughs> it is quite. Uh, it's more than event for the rest of the year. So I'm going to use it as <laughs> and well, I'm going to lose it obviously for the next three months, and then yeah, yeah. Uh, unless somebody gives me a job, I can refuse. I'm going to keep on doing it until I, I've got at least those uh, those books finished. Uh, yeah. And um, I mean, the Space Max one's actually pretty up to date. I think I've more or less finished mm. that now. There's there's, there's always uh, I do have like 150 uh, issues in my Kanban board for that for other ideas <laughs> I want to add to it, but uh, but most of it is 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 there, uh, and it's yeah. just like improvements. So it, it's it's use it's more more than usable now. I know I make sure yeah. that all the books are are very usable, and uh, and then uh, yeah. And it's all as open as possible, so people can actually see uh, what other ideas they want to do, and and obviously contribute as well. I've had some contributions from that as well, uh, not just spelling mistakes, but yeah. uh, there was a few in the early days when I was rushing things, 
things. But uh, yeah, Fantastic. I want to try and I think the the biggest investment for this is to create some really nice video content as well. Yeah, uh, for this that really does uh, add to the extra dimension of uh, of these uh, online guides as well. Nice. So, is there any uh, Patreon or GitHub sponsor stuff as well that uh, that people can uh, contribute to you? Uh, I did have a Patreon page, but I never really worked out how to use it. <laughs> okay. uh, but there, yeah, there's um, there's I do have GitHub sponsorship. So, if you're mm. paying in in dollars, you want to do that as well. Uh, there's uh, there's a PayPal me. Uh, people have contributed as well, so I appreciate everybody has done that as well. Uh, yeah. So you can pay that in any currency. There's just mm. subscribing to my video channel as well. Uh, that's always a, a nice yeah. video, a nice boost. And yeah. I'm going to set up a Libra Pay and a few others as well. Um, okay. But yeah, the the biggest boost I've got really is the uh, and I have the biggest thanks for uh, Closure is together for for voting for me as well. I know there's a lot of different really excellent projects there, so I really want to make the most out of this funding as well. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, thanks, John. Thanks a lot for for sharing your time and uh, all the hard work. Um, so I hope you know you you'll be you'll be staying healthy and safe in this uh, <laughs> tricky times. <laughs> yes, yes, it's uh, it's uh, interesting times, but uh, I'm uh, I'm really excited to uh, to see what I can do in the next three months. Nice. So that's it from us, I think. Um, so stay safe and uh, tell if you know somebody who is trying to drink bleach, tell them not to. Oh my God! So. <laughs> Uh, I hope. You know, yes. I hope you don't know somebody who is going to do that kind of shit. But even, uh, even Trump supporters, yes, they, yeah. they yeah. don't please, deserve please, it. Don't take the please, Donald Trump challenge. Yeah. Exactly. Don't, don't don't listen to bullshit from people who are not qualified. Uh, that's why we have guests mostly. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. This is for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving away the plot. <laughs> But I, I really, spoiler, yeah, I really appreciate uh, like being on here as well. It's great, it's a great opportunity uh, to uh, to talk for an hour and a half about all the random <laughs> stuff that's in my head, and uh, I, I'm sure I'll put a lot more stuff out there and uh, on the blogs as well. And so, yeah, it's been really enjoyable. I I, I like this format of the uh, podcast. It's a, it's a great way to have a, a good chat between developers, and it just happens yeah. to be recorded and shared on the internet for everybody to laugh at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we bring: laughter and joy. Excellent, and a few swear words, <laughs> and, and a little, a little bit of closure, <laughs> a little bit of closure. That, Nick, who closure. the fuck told you we have swear words on this fucking podcast? Oh, yes. That's well, not. I had to tell. Uh, I had to tell a certain person that the, the closure X was a family show. <laughs> he did a good job. He, I don't think he swore at all. Actually, so I was, no, I was, I I was amazed. Yeah. That's not, not on the stage anywhere. <laughs> Maybe he just did it quietly. <laughs> I was no, so much off the stage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anywho, that's it uh, from us for this episode. Thank you and stay safe. Thank okay. you very much. Cheers. It's been a pleasure. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of DefN. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dalit. Wow, sir. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip. 
or just at us at Deafen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode.